Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. We are so excited for this panel tonight. So with each of these, I want to tell you just a little bit about their resume. Uh, Brother Seth, he has been married for five years. He has two children, ages two and three. Sister Jessie Lanehart has been married 11 years. Six children, ranging from nine months to nine years. That's wild. (laughs) That's awesome. Then we've got Sister Linda Brewer. She's been married for 59 years. Amen. That's awesome. That's cool. We're going to have fun tonight. This is going to be great. 59 years, three children, six grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, and number six on the way. And then we have Sister Faith Gill. She's been married for 35 years, two children ranging in the, age, uh, in the ages of 19 to 29, and two granddaughters. She, she, for her, she says two perfect granddaughters. I didn't want to have, I didn't want to say that, but she gave me a look, and so I had to say it. Had to say that. So we're excited tonight. We're believing that when when we leave here, we're gonna leave equipped. We're gonna leave encouraged. We're going to uh, uh, just look at our children in in the eyes that God looks at them and. It's going to be an amazing night. Are you, are you, are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So let's get this started. First question tonight is going to go to Brother Seth. Now, when I ask these questions, so it's going to be directed to, uh, I'll direct it to one individual. And then after that, we're going to open it up to the rest of the forum. So if you have anything that you uh, would like to say, uh, we encourage you to please do so. Uh, Brother Seth, it's apparent that Ava and Augie both love church. So what are you doing to cultivate a love for God in their lives? Well, they both do love church, and I'm very, very thankful for that. And I think one of the main things that you can do is be an example for them in your daily life. Let them see you praying and worshiping while you're here at church and involve them while you're here too, whether that be just bringing your kids up here in the front with you whenever you worship. Let them worship beside you. I know a few weeks ago, I did. I brought Ava up here, and she was jumping right alongside of me. And it was—it's a great thing to see. It blesses you, not just them. It blesses you as a parent to see your kids doing that. And uh, another thing is, my kids are young, so they don't really get the concept of God right now. So we are trying to teach them about church, that church is a place that they need to be. Because, you know, we can tell them, you know, God loves you, but Augie just looks at you like you're an idiot at that point. (laughs) But whenever you bring him in here and you can see him clapping his hands and worshiping his hands, raising him, he knows he uh, associates that with church. So be, be mindful of that. You know, you can't ever do too much in that area like that. And, uh, another thing is, uh, I got several things written down here, and I'm probably not going to say any of them. I'll singing in the car. We have tracks in the on in the car, and they both, even Augie. We were the other night listening to 
Here's My Worship, the song we sang at camp. And he, it came to the bridge, and he just started singing with the rest of us. And so, you know, he's two years old, but he's got that in him already. So I think that's, that's how we are getting them involved. That's awesome. That's awesome. The other night I was walking uh, down, down the hallway, and I heard Ruby, and she said, in Jesus' name. And I was like, she's playing with her dolls, but I'm like, that's, that's the influence of the church and being in the presence of God. And that's exactly what Brother Seth is talking about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, anybody else? I don't have an answer, but I'd like to give a shout out to our dads. I am so proud of our dads. In this world, dads are maligned. They're made fun of. They're treated on sitcoms as being ignorant ignorant people, and we have got the best dads in the world. I love seeing our dads bring their kids, Seth mentioned it, bringing them down front, taking good care of them. You dads are awesome. I just want to give a shout out to them. That's awesome. Anybody else? All right, next question, Sister Jessie. What are some tips for teaching your children to behave in church. That's a good First, one. First, I'm not a perfect parent. I'm just going to tell you what we do, and it works for us. Um, our first, we were those parents that drug a screaming kid out of service every time. I tried everything. I tried spanking him. I, we bribed him. Um, <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of that. Well, we did. We tried everything. Um, and even then, I knew that what I wasn't doing was not effective. It wasn't going to work because I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was just hoping he would grow out of it as he got older. Uh, and we ended up just letting him have an iPad the entire service. Uh, when he was around four, um, I, at that point, I was just done. And I took a week or two, and we stayed home, uh, not from church, but from everything else. Um, and every single time he disobeyed me, I would disobey him it does or I would uh, di discipline him and um and, and it it doesn't make sense that I didn't do it the first time but I guess it took that long to uh to realize that that's what needed to happen and he finally and he was about four at that time and he calmed down after that um but with when I was pregnant with Reese, I was she was just over a year when I got preg pregnant with um Reese was a year and a half when I got pregnant with Archer and Archer was huge and I was big with him and I I just needed a break I needed her to calm down and just sit for a while uh, so one day close to nap time I put her on my lap and I told her I needed her to be quiet and still if she would try to get up I would say no I'd swat her pat her leg and uh, tell her no and I'd whisper be still if she cried or talked I'd I'd pat her mouth, and I told her no, and I would whisper, be quiet. Um, it took about two hours the first day of her crying, and just that was on repeat. That's what we did for two hours, and she finally gave in and went to sleep. The next day, I repeated the same thing close to nap time, and it only lasted about an hour. The third day was 10 minutes, and the fourth time, or the fourth day, I told her, it was quiet and still time, and she, she didn't try to get up. She sat there, and she went to sleep. Um, the only thing I was looking for was a break. I didn't realize what I was teaching her uh, at the time. That Sunday, she in church, she did what she usually would do. She squealed. She arched that back, and she tried to, to shimmy on down, 
and I just, you need to be quiet and still, you know, out of um, habit at that point. And I was shocked when she just sat there. She stopped, and she grabbed her blanket, and she sat there, and she was quiet and still for the rest <laughs> of service. Um, I ended up, it worked so well with her. I did the same thing with Archer. I did it when we had Con and Cade, you know, except, you know, you can do it without the pets because I did with them. Um, Kana was a bit older, so I would use a blanket with her. I just put out a blanket and um, taught her the same thing, to, to stay on that blanket and to not get up, um, quiet and still. Uh, we definitely don't have perfect in, uh, children in church. At times, they try to test uh, that resolve to listen the first time, and I have a little paddle in my uh, diaper bag um, that's perfect for that. Um, it's a, it's the little brother to the big brother we have at home. Um, 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 our our older children, um, our older children. Um, I'm I'm just well I guess I have been for a couple of months, but we have I have a book at home called uh, Parenting with Proverbs, and uh, it has different character traits in there and. They love to write out those scriptures, and they love to have to write a little essay on what they think that scripture means and how they should have applied it to that situation. So that works for them. But really just starting at home and seeing it carry over to church. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Mrs. Jesse, um, going back to that paddle, mm -hmm. you said, I think you told me before, was it your uncle? My uncle makes the most wonderful paddles. Um, <laughs> um, they are high quality. He does sell them. They are solid wood. Um, they, have, they have good wide base. Yeah. Awesome. So if you need one, come see her. She's got the phone number. And it's all good. Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> Anybody else want to chime in here? Tips for teaching your children to behave in church. Yeah, I'll, uh, you just have to figure out what works for you because Ava here, you know, I can whip her 25 times and bring her back out and she'll act the same way. And one night we were in the back and this is after two or three spankings at least. And I decided, well, I don't know what else to do. So we were in, I think it's Sister Teresa's Sunday school room back here. And I made her stand in the corner and at home that would never work. But here, you would have thought I had cut her leg off or something. It was, it was horrible. So now I know for here, it's you stand in the corner. That's how you behave at church. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. What works for us is having a brother Jason and a sister Amy. That, they're incredible. That's awesome. That helps out. Helps out a lot. Helps out a lot. All right. Anybody else want to chime in here? All right, next question. Sister Gill, what do you do as a grandparent when you disagree with the way your child is parenting their children? Uh-oh. What you should do or what I do? <laughs> what do you do? I try to keep my mouth shut because I'm not the parent. As a beaver slash lion, that is very hard to do because I know the right way to do things. 
when we were, I did ask permission to tell this story. When we were bringing Ruby home from the hospital as a newborn, the nurse came in and buckled her in her car seat, and Ruby hated it. She had done great up till the time they buckled her in, and she just started crying. She cried and cried and cried and cried, and then we needed to go. So her dad picked up the car seat and started swinging it, walking down the hall swinging this newborn, and that's not how you do it. <laughs> that's not right. You hold them gently and carefully and quietly and all. He was so wrong. And while I was trying to get all these thoughts through my head and to come out of my mouth, she quit crying and went to sleep. So he was right. I didn't agree with how he handled it until I saw the results. <laughs> I still don't know how that worked. <laughs> but the bottom line is, God gave Ruby and Sila to the Gothras, not to me, to raise. And so as a parent, God arms parents with what they need to raise their children. Some of y'all have seen this before. I mean, you all know it, but you've seen that before. You've seen that couple that they're having a child, and you think, I don't know what they're thinking about. They don't even, they've never even held kids. And then that baby's born, and it's just natural. It's just, it's God-given instinct. God prepares our hearts and minds, and we know how because they're a gift from him. And so he instills knowledge in godly parents on how to raise their children. So I think, as a grandparent, unless harm is being done to that child, I think we should give our opinion only when asked. That did not go over well. <laughs> I think it's important as grandparents that we don't try to make up for our perceived shortcomings as parents through our grandchildren. Um, there's things that I wish I had done different as a parent, but I can't make that right through my kids and grandkids. I can't make them parent their grand, my grandkids differently because I wish I had done differently. So uh, we can't make up for our perceived shortcomings as parents through them. Um, as an example, we evangelized with Whitney when she was a baby. And when David was a baby, we moved across the country. And in both cases, I can look back at times that I wish I had been less strict with them. I was very... The beaver and the, uh, and the lion came out. But I was very, uh, I was very rigid with them, and I expected to th them to behave in both cases. I expected them to behave in certain ways because of the expectations of others. What other people thought, I let dictate the way I treated them or the way I expected them to act. And I regret that. I wish I could go back and redo it. I can't redo it, but I can't fix it by telling my daughter and son, don't be so strict on your kids. Don't do this. Don't tell them that. Don't. That's not going to fix anything. I think we also forget, once our kids grow up, I think we forget how it is to have small, needy children. They're very needy, and they have a lot of questions. The small ones do, don't they? Or how it is to have a defiant preteen. We forget. We forget. And it's so easy for a grandparent to tell a new mom, treasure the moments. They pass so fast. That's true. 
They, they do. But that mama wants to tell you, you come and treasure my moments and I'll take a nap. <laughs> now, if they ask for your opinion, I say give it to them. Both barrels. Here's my list. But make sure they ask. Uh, I also think it's very important to let your grown children know that you're there to support them, that you're there to uh, help them in any way possible, that you value their abilities as a parent. And then I would like to turn this around and ask my great son-in-law over here, when do you want advice from a grandparent? Or do you ever? <laughs> Me personally, and I think I'm speaking for Whitney here too, we always want the input. So I, I always want as much as I can get. I, I enjoy, and this is, you know, every person's gonna be different here, but I enjoy different perspectives um, in everything that I'm doing. So um, in this situation, I want, I want to hear from those who have done it extremely well, like Pastor and Sister Gill. Um, and I, wanna, I also wanna hear from those who, um, who've done this and haven't done it very well. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them they didn't, but I want to hear, hear those perspectives too. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to weigh all that input with what we're feeling, and, and then I'm going to think about the personality of Ruby or Sila, and then we'll see what happens from there. And I want there to be a clear and a welcome understanding between uh, us as parents and our grandparents that, uh, or their grandparents, that, I, that we want the input, we want your input because you rock at this and you've done so good. But um, we should still be able to choose when we apply it in situations, whether it's all of it or some of it or none of it, Amen. right? And regardless of what we choose, it should just be okay. Should be fine. I'm, I'm not interested in the type of advice that's saying, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm not, I'm, I'm, that doesn't help. I'm interested in the advice that will help me become a one-of-a-kind parent to a one-of-a-kind daughter. That's what, I, that's what I need because I'm changing every day to become the best father I can be for her. So... I, I need to be everything she needs me to be. So I'm looking for not right, not wrong, but for something to help mold me to become one of a kind. All right. All right. Anybody else here uh, want to share your opinions? I just agree with them. That sounds good to me. <laughs> it's been so long since I've had small children. <laughs> All right, all right, that's awesome. Anybody else? All right, next question. Sister Linda, as a woman who worked hard on the farm with your husband and a mother of three active sons, how do you renew yourself when you became, or how did you renew yourself when you became overwhelmed but weren't able to take an actual break? I don't ever remember being overwhelmed, really. I mean, you'd get aggravated and stuff, but when we worked, we worked hard, and the kids worked hard. And But we'd take the kids and go to the bottoms. That's where people farm, in the river bottoms. And they'd take all their 
John Deere tractors and things, and I'd take a picnic lunch, and Larry would, uh, some old man helped us, and I would plow, and he would disc, and Larry would plant. And the kids played in the shade of the pickup all day. They'd move on one side when it got sunny and, and on the other side. And uh, But the best part then was when we came home of the night and we had supper and bath, bathing time, get them all cleaned up for bed. Now, there's little then, then, but it was a joyful time. And it's been a good life, too, to raise boys on a farm. And, That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Amen. Sister Linda, you are a hero. Yes, amen. You are amen. a hero. Absolutely. Anybody uh, else want to chime in here? How do you renew yourself uh, if and when you become uh, overwhelmed and you can't take a break? Well, I've got an insight from what she said. Maybe sometimes we become overwhelmed because we do have time on our hands and we're thinking about ourselves rather than she said they were working hard, they were probably exhausted when they got home, and maybe we have it a little easier now, and we think about ourselves a little more, and perhaps. Absolutely, that's awesome, that's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, I would like to say too, I'm kind of like Mamaw, you know, I've never really felt overwhelmed to that extent, you know, I've been aggravated a lot, but I've never been overwhelmed. But what she said, it, it was a good life growing up on the farm there. And I can attest to that. You know, my, they were born, my grandpa and grandpa, or grandpa, that's where he was raised. My dad was raised there. I was raised there. And now I'm raising my children there. And I can attest to it that it is the best place to grow up because there's always something to do for, especially small kids. And when you are raised like that, you can turn anything into something exciting. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles. You find a stick somewhere, and that you can make that exciting in that lifestyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Next question. Sister Jessie, what are some tips for personal devotion and study time when you have small children? How do you intentionally set aside time to pray and read your Bible? Before I had kids, I had attended a women's esprit conference. Uh, the theme for that year was we pray first. Uh, that's when I first felt the conviction that I needed to give God the first minutes of my day. Um, and with work, if I didn't, then I didn't have kids. But with work, if I didn't do it first, I, I didn't do it. After I had kids, if I didn't do it, uh, it didn't get done then either. Um, up until a few months ago, I had always purposed to get up before the kids with enough time to get everything done before they woke up, study God's word, pray, drink coffee. Um, when I had that time in the morning before the, the kids got up, uh, I was ready and prepared to welcome them into my day that uh, had already begun. By nature, I am not a mellow, calm, gentle, meek, human, all those traits that I feel like God wants me to be. Um, uh, if, you know, and it's, for me, it's essential to, to have that time uh, to be the mom that I need to be for my kids. Um, so uh, one day it hit me that the kids needed to see me having that devotion time. They needed to see that example. So I, I just started doing it 30 minutes later. Um, so I get some before they wake up and then some afterward, afterwards so they can see as well. Um, 
uh, I plan ahead. I don't have time to figure out in the morning what I'm going to study. Uh, I, I would still be trying, there are a lot of mornings I'd still be trying to figure out what I was even going to study in God's work, and then uh, the kids are up, um, and then once they're up, I'm busy, and it's easy to get caught up in the busyness of the day. If it's going to get done, I have to be intentional. If I have a kid that needs to be at the doctor's office at 9 a.m., I get up even earlier to get it done. Uh, I'm, I'm not a morning person, and that's what I fight the most with trying to get it done in the mornings. I like to stay up late and sleep in. I have to intentionally go to bed at a decent hour. I have to set an alarm to get up in the morning, and a lot of times I'll wake up in the morning to my alarm, and then I'll reach over and put a hand on my baby and just pray that he stays asleep long enough for me to get things done. Um, um, the times that I tell myself I'll do it later, that later never comes in the day. Something unexpected will always take away my extra time, and doing it first guarantees that it will get done. Uh, we the last um, study that we did with Sister Gill, Melanie Shock had wrote something that really spoke to me. She had quoted Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. She went on to say that in exchange for more time in bed in the mornings, we will give up our children. In exchange for more entertainment time, we will give up our children. I might be in bed at a decent hour, but often I'll find myself on social media. I will want to sleep longer in the mornings because I kept myself up late, filling my head with useless information instead of getting up in the morning and filling my, my head with God's knowledge. Um, in exchange for getting up when my alarm goes off and learning God's word, his ways, his laws, I refuse to sacrifice my time in study and prayer. I refuse to sacrifice my children because I couldn't get up and study at a decent hour. Uh, for a reason so dumb is one to be on my phone in the morning. Um, so for me, it just comes down to doing it first before I get bit too busy. That's awesome. That's incredible. That's awesome. Commitment, dedication, you've got to have that. Passion, it's beautiful. That's awesome. Anybody else want to uh, share how you set aside time? All right, next question. Brother Seth, as a father who works full-time, how do you make time to connect with your children? Well, I mean, everybody's busy. Anybody that works is busy. And so to make time for your children, you just have to make time for them. I mean, involve them in what you're doing throughout the day. No matter, I mean, it's easier for me because my kids are so small. Like, they want to do everything that I do still. And I, and I know as kids grow, that's not the case. But, you know, once I get home from work, I have things that I have to do there. You know, we feed and water the horse, the rabbits, the pigs. So that keeps us busy for a while. But they're playing in the dirt while they're over there. They're throwing mud at each other and drowning each other in the water in troughs. And so it's just... you. You involve them in the stuff that you do, and whenever we do go inside, you know, turn the TV off, you know, put your book down, put your phone down, and play with your kids, because I, like I said, I know there's going to be a time that they don't want to play with me, and they do right now, so I want to cherish that, and then another thing is remember that they're kids. Like, they don't want to sit around and look at you while you're on your phone. They want you to be they're in the floor playing with the trucks or having a tea party or things like that. And, you know, you come home, you're tired. 
they don't know that, and they don't care that you're tired. They are ready. They're ready to play. Whenever you get home from work, they're ready for you to play with them. So I try and do that with them. I mean, there are times that I kind of shove them off. I need just a minute. Give me a minute. But do that while you're done. And if you are playing and something happens, they knock a cup off the shelf and it gets broken, don't yell and scream. Just go clean it up. It's a lot easier just to go clean it up than yell and scream because I really feel like that they can associate that. You know, well, he was playing. Well, then he got mad, and I don't want my kids to associate that with me. You know, I don't want them to remember me whenever they're grown. It's like he was mad and yelling all the time, which I don't do. I mean, I'm pretty laid back. Most of you know that. But and then another thing is just you just have to show them the love. I mean, I know... In society, it's, you know, a man shouldn't show his affection for that, but it's not cool for a man to do that. But I do. I love my kids. I hug them. I kiss them. I tell them I love them every day. Uh, we recently just got a, uh, a full-size bed for them to share. We've got rid of the toddler bed, rid of the crib. So we, I was laying down with them the other night, and I want to bring a godly aspect into that too, to make it a point to pray with them every night, to show them love through that, to teach them how to pray, you know, how to worship. And we've, we've been doing that. And you were talking about Ruby saying in Jesus name the other day, you know, we've been teaching Ava to pray. Well, I was walking into the hallway there and past her bedroom the other day. And I heard her, she was in there praying. She said, Jesus, I know you're mad at me, but... <laughs> So I'm not sure what she had done, but at least she is praying. At least we're getting that through to her, that prayer is a good thing. But that is, that's just one of the main things is just love them. Let them feel the love. Show them the love in everything you do. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's very similar to what Sister Jessie was just saying. And both of these answers are, are about the same. You've got to intentionally make that time. You've got to be involved. A professional athlete's not born a professional athlete, no matter how gifted he is. He has to put that time in. He has to put that work in. Same with a parent. Even if you naturally have the heart of a child, that doesn't mean that you're, you're giving to your children. You're investing. You're, you've got to separate that time. You've got to, can this wait? If it can wait, put it aside. Now, you can be as busy as you want to be. You can find whatever you want to fill your day. I'm always too busy. You can always find that. So can this wait? Yeah, it can wait. It can wait. Be intentional. That's beautiful. That's awesome, guys. That's awesome. Uh, does anybody else have anything to say here? I think that a lot of the trouble today is parents don't have time to be with their kids and discuss stuff with them. And a lot of people don't even eat meals together. I mean, they eat all over the house and everything, and we was always taught to eat supper together, or meals, you know. You didn't string out all over the house eating. I, I might do it now, but... <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't do it when I was kids, because <laughs> we weren't allowed to. <laughs> and, but I think that is a lot of the trouble, and then... They, they come in, and I know we're all guilty of it, pick up that phone and start on it, and then where's the kids? They're left at child isolation, and they don't get enough attention and teaching and stuff. And that's, that's awesome. 
that's awesome. Well, Sister Linda, this next question is for you. How do you use your role of influence wisely as a grandparent without stepping on the toes of the parents? Step on them too much, but I might a little sometimes because it's a different generation from when I raised kids. <laughs> and uh, but they know how I am when they come to my house. Now Augie and Ava are the ones, and Amara that comes the most because Katie and them live at Bedford. And uh, but when they come, if they get out of line or anything, I've got a big wooden spoon with a big ugly face painted on it <laughs> and it's setting up in the window in the kitchen in a little picture and all I have to do is I say you know where that ugly spoon's at and they come around and I don't have a bit of trouble with them that way and they know they know what they can get away with and what they can't and they uh, <laughs> they, they love coming to our house and I love having them there, and just mention that ugly spoon, though, and they know they better be getting in line. <laughs> and I've never whipped none of them with it. <laughs> none of them. <laughs> but it does the job anyway. <laughs> I love my grandkids and great-grandkids and all of them so much. Amen. That's awesome. Wit. Uh, we need to get Sister Jessie's uncle's phone number. We need a wooden spoon. <laughs> we need a wooden spoon, and then we'll craft something not so pretty on it, and it'll be, it'll be awesome. That's great. Any, anything else? All right, Sister Gill, how do you keep your marriage a priority when raising children? I think after God and our salvation, uh, our marriage should be our number one priority. I think um, we should always be aware that those children grow up, they move out, they move on with their lives, and you and your spouse are together till death do us part. And uh, I think it's, it's very uh, vital that we keep our marriage a priority. Uh, I think it's sad, I've uh, seen this, witnessed this many times, I think it's sad when a couple gets so busy raising their kids that they grow apart that man-on-man -man defense, you take this one, I'll take that one, and we never come together, and then uh, years down the, the road, the kids have grown up, and you've got two strangers living in the house. <clears throat> I think it's important for our children to know how invested we are in our marriage. I think it's good for our kids to know that. I think it's good um, to let them see you make time for each other, and let them see you enjoy each other's company. I... Um, think it's important for them to see us spend time together, whether they're little or whether they're grown. I think it's, it's good for our children to, to know that we spend time together. When you have small children, it's um, easier if you wait till after they go to bed, put them to bed early, and then you've got time to play a game, sit down and talk. But if your children don't see you together as a couple, I think they're missing out on something. So I think it's very important for them to see it. Um, I think it's important to let your spouse know that I choose you here in the middle of this dirty laundry and these screaming kids and these unpaid bills and this glamorous life, I still choose you. Every day I choose you. <laughs> I know it's sometimes difficult to find time for each other, uh, especially when your children are young. I think it's, it's difficult to find time because you're so busy tending to urgent needs and you think if I can just 
get through this day and get him in bed, if I can just, you know, make it through the day. But I think, again, I think it's vital. Uh, when David was little, he used to like to ask me, which one's your favorite, me or Whitney? Every time he believed I was going to say him. And every time my answer was always your dad. Your dad's my favorite human. I love you, son, but your dad's my favorite human. <laughs> I believe you harm your children when you speak ill of your spouse to them. I don't think as a wife you should ever say, well, your dad, whatever. Or other way around, your mother, she's, you know how she is. I think you harm your children when you speak ill of your spouse to them. I think there's security and safety for the children when uh, their parents are devoted to each other and they know it. I think that brings safety. They're watching you and you're teaching them what kind of mate to look for. You're teaching them how to be treated what to expect. I've heard some couples say that they never fight in front of their children. And that's awesome. That's awesome. I think that's admirable. Uh, now, I'm not talking about that, that, those loud discussions that some people have. When I say this, I think there's benefit in your children observing you as a couple discussing something that you don't agree on. Rationally, mindfully, politely, listening to each other, not over speaking, not overrunning, not calling names. You know what I'm, I'm saying. I think there's benefit to your children seeing you discuss something and come to a compromise because they learn a couple things. They learn that their world's not going to fall apart because their mom and dad don't agree on something because they're not dumb. They know you don't agree on everything. Do you? <laughs> it also shows them the art of compromise. It also shows them sometimes we don't agree on something, but we know how to compromise, and we still love each other, and you're still safe. I want my children to know, I hope they do, that I am their father's number one fan. Number one fan. And um, as our ch last child's getting ready to move out, he's getting married in a month, y'all. Uh, I'm so glad that I'm married to somebody that I've made a priority for 35 years. He's not a stranger to me. And I am looking forward to the rest of our life together. I think it's important. Very important. That's awesome. That's awesome. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you do have to work at it. It is important to make it a priority because with your spouse, I think you have to choose to love them and continue to love them. With your children, you just love them. It, you don't have to make a choice. You just do. That's why I said I always never believed in love at first sight until I saw my children for the first time. And I think it is important to make time for your spouse because that's not there. You do have to work at it. You do have to choose to love your spouse. So it is very important. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anybody else? All right, these next three questions, these are our final three questions. Everyone be like, oh, oh man. Are you guys having a good time? Is this awesome? This is awesome. Okay, so these last three questions, these are uh, for all the panelists. At what age should a teen be allowed to date? Oh, boy. Didn't see that one coming. Let's get down to it. I don't think they should be able to <laughs> at all. So, 
I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be that dad. If a boy comes to my house, I will meet him with a gun at the door. And it's, it's going to happen. But, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not comfortable discussing this topic, so... <laughs> All right, can I tell a story? I've got a story to tell you. Pastor Dylan and I, he doesn't know I'm talking about this. My wife doesn't know I'm talking about this. Sister Katie doesn't know I'm talking about this. This might not end well. Pastor Dylan and I, we were at Taco Bell, and uh, I had Ruby with me, and he had uh, Joey with him. And, you know, we're discussing things, talking about things, and uh, we have an iPad, and Joey, and we're outside in this outside thing. Joey and Ruby are watching, watching their the, a movie on their iPad. Joey is so slick. Okay, Joey is so slick. He, Pastor Dylan says he gets it from his mom. So <laughs> Joey just looks over, and both of them are glued to the the iPad. Joey looks over. Kissed her on the lips. I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. Ruby was just like, it's the worst part. Ruby turned to him and said, kissed her back. And then we stopped discussing what we were discussing and we, we talked to them. That does not happen. No, not, no. It was hysterical. And it was amazing. And it was, it was awesome. So there, there's that. There's that. Um, so when or what age should a teen be allowed to date? Well, <laughs> I see a lot of kids here, <laughs> young girls here. I'd say not before 16. That sounds good. That sounds awesome. Sister Jessie. I know Brother Seth was joking, but that is really... <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, he wasn't joking. So I guess we're both on the same page. <laughs> um, when I was a teenager, I had a friend, and she was one who would just, um, she would date a guy, and they'd break up, and she'd be heartbroken for a month, and she'd repeat the whole process. And I just told myself, why put myself through that? Where's it? What's the chances of it going anywhere anyway at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old? And um, I just told myself I didn't want to do that to myself, so I wasn't going to date until I was old enough to where it could lead to marriage. Um, and I still think that's sound advice. In our family, our rule was our children could date in a group at age 16, and they could go on a solo date at age 18. I will say that when we told Whitney that for the first time, her dad told her, and she said, Mom was married when you were, she was 18. And his response was, don't throw your mother's past up to me. (laughs) 
That's awesome. I want to say something else. I got a funny story, too. When we was in high school, I think I had just turned 16. And, of course, some of the girls were a year or two older than me, you know. And they, they, all, they said, hey, let's all go to town Saturday night and ride around the square and everything, you know. Well, I was all hyped up, and I went home, and Mom asked me what was the matter, and I said, nothing's the matter. I said, we're going to Bedford tonight and ride around the square. <laughs> if you'd have seen the look on her face, she about could have killed me. She's, oh, no, you're not going to town and ride around the square with that bunch of girls. I said, I won't tell you what she said. But, <laughs> anyway, I didn't get to go, ever. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. What are some discipline strategies that have worked for you, Brother Seth? Well, definitely uh, spanking is the one that has worked the best for us. With uh, Ava, she is so strong-willed, and talking to her, just I might as well just talk to that plant right there. It's You're going to get the same outcome. So you do have to do something a little more. And I'm not saying you beat your children, but a spanking is different than beating, and I am a firm believer in spanking. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Sister Lynn. I agree with that. <laughs> and I didn't ever hurt mine, didn't abuse them. I, I spanked them. I think if they tell you the truth, they're glad I did now. <laughs> but we had lots of good times, and they all come out good. So, <laughs> yes, good boys. That's awesome. Sister Jessie. Well, I had already mentioned that we always start with a quiet and still time. Uh, it just teaches them no uh, first-time obedience, and uh, and that's it. Really, just does work, and it just carries over for us as they get older. Um, and is you know three, two, three. Um, I I use the blanket in exchange for my lap. Um, I have a paddle uh, that always works good too, um, as, and especially for our fosters, um, just either using. Uh, natural consequences, even if they're consequences that, um, that you know, we make up. Like, for example, um, this past week we had, um, uh, I, I wasn't going to mention names, but Kurt, he wanted the same attention Reese had got in the ER, so he was going to be sick to the point that I had to take him to the ER per the nurse at our pediatric office when I called her, and nothing was wrong with him. So he was, so he got, he got made over in sick treatment for 24 hours, you know, bed and, you know, and I just, I just played into it. He, he, you know, he was in bed and he had chicken broth. And by the time he was done, he's, I will never be sick again, mama. Um, <laughs> uh, those do work for us. Um, and again, with our olders, um, we, I really like Proverbs um, and writing those scriptures and writing what they mean. And that works too. I think it's important to know the temperament of your child because uh, what works for one won't necessarily work for another. And uh, we have two children. I'm not going to name names, but I think you can probably guess which one was which. One of them would do anything not to disappoint or upset the parents, 
or any authority figure. <laughs> David's pointing to himself, and he's wrong. <laughs> I can count on one hand the number of spankings that child got because all it took was a stern look, a few words, and their heart was broken, and their little will was broken. And um, the other one was not like that. The other one, I was teaching piano lessons one time. The other one was seven, six or seven. I was teaching piano lessons, and somebody came in and said, did you know that your son has climbed on the roof of Sister Kathy's house? Is it on the roof over there? No, I didn't. So I went out and got him. He got in trouble, told him, we don't do this. You can't do this, how dangerous it is. And, and he, got, he got a spanking for it. Within a couple days, he was climbing up the stone outside at the parsonage, and Sister Peggy's nodding because he wasn't the only one. <laughs> he, he, he got somebody to go with him. They were climbing up the stone outside the parsonage on the parsonage roof. And his answer was, you didn't tell me not to climb this roof. <laughs> so I carried paint sticks with me for one of my children. <laughs> They're uh, flexible. David's pointing to himself again. They're flexible. They uh, sting. They got the job done. I could slip it in my purse, get it out. and Several of you are nodding. Somebody else has tried that too. I didn't have an uncle that made spoons, but I had a husband that owned a painting business. And um, so I carried paint sticks with me. You could just slip it out, whack a leg, slip it right back in. Worked. I am a huge reader. I love to read, and I've read countless books on parenting and on discipline, but the very best book I have ever read, this is the, if, you, if you only read one book on parenting, read this one. It's called How to Have a New Kid by Friday by Dr. Kevin Lehman. I don't have it with me because every time I buy it, I give it to somebody, and I uh, text Whitney tonight, and I said, do you have my book? And she said, no, but I know who you gave it to. <laughs> and I just haven't replaced it yet. It teaches uh, parents how to allow consequences to discipline their children, how you allow consequences. Too many times we stand in the place of consequences, and then we wonder why our children are misbehaving. But it teaches us how, as parents, to step back a little bit and allow some consequences to take over. And uh, this method is an awesome, again, it's How to Have a New Kid by Friday by Dr. Kevin Lehman. Uh, it uh, works, this method works for children from toddlers to adults. If you've got adult children in your life that you're having some issues with, works for them. It's a great book. You need to get it. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Last question of the evening. What do you know now that you wish you had known when you first became a parent? Brother Seth. I didn't know how humbling children were. <laughs> That's, uh, they can really make you take a look and say, <laughs> wow, that, that just happened. <laughs> and just lost an yeah, yeah. And you don't realize that you're dumb until you have kids. <laughs> Like, you, parents ask dumb questions. Like, they could be taking something out of the refrigerator and sticking it down the vent. And what do you say? What are you doing? Like, you can see perfectly well that they are taking something from the refrigerator and putting it in the vent. And kids are programmed to lie. Nothing, 
that's inevitably what they say. The f- nothing, or I don't know. And a two-year-old can tell you I don't know or nothing until you're ready to just slam your head off the wall. It's just, so, yeah, you don't know that kids are going to make you dumb. So. That's amazing. That is awesome. That is awesome. Can I, can I just say, I, I didn't know, I didn't know Ruby would enforce rules in the house <laughs> that I w- wasn't following. Like, if I put my shoes on this little shoe thing, Ruby's like, um, Mommy said you're not supposed to have your shoes on that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And I can't be like, stop it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you win. Okay. So, yeah, man, absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with you. Sister Linda. Uh, I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> well, one thing I didn't know back when I first got married how great it was going to be to have grand, or children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. <laughs> And what a pleasure there's going to be in your old age. And we've enjoyed them all so much and love them so much. And they keep you going when you're in these golden years and that everybody loves. <laughs> so that, that's it, I guess. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sister Jessie. I, I just wish I had enjoyed it more. I was, I was either doing the whole, oh, he's 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 walking now and he's not a baby, and I was always looking at you know how he had been before, wishing he was that little baby again. But then I'd be frustrated because he wasn't more independent, like getting more independent quicker. So I was, it, it seemed like I was always wishing or wanting something I didn't have. Um, I just wish I had enjoyed it and not spent so much time doing that. Um, the one seemed so much harder than, I think even what I have now. <laughs> Because, because I can enjoy every little milestone. Sister Gail. I have to echo Sister Linda. I didn't know how much fun grandkids were going to be. That, grandkids are awesome, y'all. So awesome. Uh, I wish I had trusted my own God-given instincts more rather than parenting to please others. And uh, this is something that I try to, to tell new moms or moms of any age, uh, trust yourself. God gave you instincts for your children. And uh, I wish I had trusted myself more. Uh, I pa- did a lot of parenting to please others because um, just speaking personally, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of judgment on preacher's kids and on preacher's families. And I did a whole lot of parenting to please. And uh, I regret that. I wish I had known different. So, my unsolicited advice to you as a grandmother is, stop doing that. Don't do that. Don't do what I did. Trust yourself. God gave you these children to raise, and you know everything you need is within you. It's within God. He put it in you. That's awesome. Can we give all of our panelists a hand clap tonight? Amen. That's awesome. What a great discussion, and uh, I want to thank all of our our panelists tonight for being transparent and sharing with us 
some of the joys and challenges and the decisions of parenting. And, you know, every child's different. Every parent is different. And uh, uh, I think that we all must take on our own responsibility for our own kids. It's your kids. Will you raise your kids? We'll help you and we'll support you, but raise your own kids. Praise God. That's my unsolicited <laughs> advice. Uh, <clears throat> I think one of the biggest challenges for, for, for me as a parent, being an otter, is consistent discipline. If you're the one, two, three, four, five, one, two, when you get to three, you've already struck out. Because that child already knows five's coming. Be consistent to the best of your ability. Whatever you say, you make a rule, then you have to enforce that rule. Or otherwise, you teach them that rules don't matter. So just be consistent. Be consistent. I'm so thankful for our, our families, our children, our moms and dads. Amen. You are amazing. And appreciate this opportunity tonight. Wasn't this tremendous? Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what we've heard tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the commitment and the love that was demonstrated from those that spoke tonight. You could just feel the love they have for their children. Lord, from different walks, different stages in life. God, but it is that love, Lord Jesus, that you have given to us for our children, for our families, for our spouses, oh God, that keeps us going, keeps us together. And we're going to give you the praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.